know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. Myself, Mauricio, alongside BJ Armstrong, as always, bringing you the biggest news and updates from around the NBA. Today, we have an update of a free agent signing, BJ. Have you seen it? Oh, no, I have not. Who? Who? Well, we've been talking about the Dallas Mavericks a lot recently, and I believe we're going to have to talk about them a bit today because they're in a tough spot. They've lost four in a row. They're now under Mm. 500, which means they've lost Mm. more games than they've won. The San Antonio Spurs, who are trying to tank, are the only team in the NBA with a longer losing streak. And to solve their problems, the Dallas Mavericks have decided that they are going to sign Kemba Walker. Really? And they're going to waive Faku Compazzo. Yep, Mark Stein. Mark Stein reports. Who did they waive? Who did they waive? Faku Compazzo. Composite. Okay. Yeah, he played for Dallas uh, for Denver last season. Mm-hmm. The uh, short Denver. Argentinian. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kemba Walker was waived by the Pistons. The Pistons paid nine million dollars to waive him in October. Um, you know, before that he was in New York, and they traded him to Detroit in that trade on draft night. And um, you know, I feel bad for Kemba because he has so much talent, okay. and injuries have been the downfall of him. Most of his scoring is based on his athleticism, his crossovers, etc. And without his full health, he's unable to contribute to the level of which he did when he was an all-star player. And then on the defensive side of the ball, he does get targeted. But what do you think of this move for the Dallas Mavericks? Do you think this is going to help them in any way? Well, I think it's interesting that they, when I say they, the Dallas Mavericks are trying to get additional ball handlers into their system. <laughs> that to me is a clear indication of what you and I have been saying since the beginning, which is how to integrate Lucas talent within within the core of the group. And what I mean by that is you have to get a number of people involved into the the team framework of what they're trying to do because Luca handles the ball so much. I mean, he is the primary secondary ball handler for this team. He is the initiator of the offense. He, they run the offense through him. He plays from the post. He plays from the perimeter. He plays in isolation. His usage, his usage rate is so high that the Dallas Mavericks are saying we need to get more ball handlers t- to somehow get the ball out of <laughs> Luca's hands. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what they're saying. Now, how they're going to do it, because one thing that we know is the strong point of Luke of Kimba's when he was healthy was his ability to create, especially off the bounce. Defensively, you know, he's he's always been average at best. So now you're going to put Kimball Walker and Luka Doncic on the floor. That doesn't seem, something doesn't seem right here. It just doesn't seem right because when you're trying to have, you know, a good team, because they have, they have you know, a top five player. You have to, you know, support that with defense, rebounding, passing, and all of those things. Then you sprinkle in 
other components. So I, I think Dallas feels that they have to do something. I think that something is they're going to miss another player who could command the basketball to push the pace. Maybe the thought is bringing him in as a starter and putting Spencer back on the coming off the bench. But something doesn't seem right as I watch this team. Defensively, starting Kemba Walker in the year 2022, I do not think is the move. And I think at this point, you talk about him being a ball handler, but at this point, he's just mainly a catch and shoot guy because he doesn't have that same bounce and that same explosiveness to attack off the dribble. Unless, well, there's only one guy. There's only one guy that can create that you're going to leave him to be a catch and shoot guy. That's Luca. He's the well, only guy that's handling the ball. Who else is? Who think, else is handling the ball to for for him to catch? Who for him to do the catch and shoot? I think Dinwiddie has been fantastic when Luca's been on the bench and Dinwiddie's been handling the basketball. I think he's played some great basketball. Okay, that's season. what I just said. So put Dinwiddie back on the bench. Mm-hmm. And allow him to play with Luca. Maybe that's the maybe that's the role. That's what I just said. Mm-hmm. Luke, if Luca's the only guy that can pitch, who else pitches for them? Mm-hmm. I think the talking point uh, after another loss to Dallas was why Christian Wood is not in the starting lineup because Wood and Luca together are plus eight or nine points per hundred possessions. And when Luca plays without Christian Wood, they're negative in the points per possessions. Okay, so I so the, from my eye test, why don't they play together? One, where's Christian Wood going to go when he's playing with Luca? Luca has to define. You know, well, it's I've been talking about this for so long. I'm yep. like really tired of <laughs> talking about it. Luca. What are you? Just tell me what you want to. But tell me what you want to be. Do you want to be a three, or do you want to be a two, or do you want to be a point? I, I and it, he is equally to me. He could do whatever he want. He can play wherever. He, he's that good. He's that talented. However, if we're going to pull a team, if we're going to put together a team around you and your talent, define who you want to be on both ends of the court, preferably on the defensive end. Why? So that we can build a team around you to complement what you do well and what you don't do well. But when you have a player who does everything, he plays from the post. So that now that just makes Christian Wood a three-point shooter. If you play from the perimeter, there's only one place that a, a post player can go. That's on the blocks or in the dunker spot. It is so tough to play with Luca because he is so good at every single thing. He plays from the pinch post. He plays from the mid post. He plays in isolation. He plays from the from the from the post spot. He plays from the top of the key. He handles the ball. He initiates the ball. He's the guy who draws and kick. Where is that going to leave any type of space for anyone else other than three-point shooting so that Luca could be Luca? That's the problem. Now yes. most people will and then and then we will then we will look at the stats and say, well, they're plus whatever. Christian Wood, where is he gonna go? And how are you gonna defend? Is yep, Luca because Luca? Yeah, because Luca. Who's he going to guard? Is he going to guard the ones? Is he going to guard the twos? Is he going to guard the threes every night? 
because you can't have more than one player on the floor at any given time who the other team decides to pick on. Did you watch the game last night? Dallas okay, you watched the Milwaukee, Milwaukee yeah. game. Yeah, we were on the phone. They they just picked on they just picked on Luca. Yeah, Giannis. Oh, oh. <laughs> this is so now you, again. Where are just just to, Luca? Where where do you feel most comfortable? It doesn't matter to me. Like he is that good. I I'll figure that out. Allow me as a coach to say, okay, do you want to, every night you want to guard the ones? Okay, so you may not. No one can guard John Morant. No no one can guard Steph Curry. But if we know we're going to match up there, we can build a team so that we can take advantage of what it is we can do and what we can't do. But when you're trying to hide a guy every single night on the defensive end, then you're trying to space the floor so that he can be you're compromising the integrity of your team and how you play. Mm-hmm. That's the core. So in this signing with Kimber Walker, clearly it wasn't a defensive signing. Okay. It wasn't a so yeah. what they're saying is we need to put spacing on the floor so that our best player or players will have the proper spacing to play. And that's fine. There isn't, you know, there isn't a player that's just a perfect player. Every player has gaps in their games. However, you can't have Luca and Kimba on the floor together. No, that is two liabilities. It, 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 that's just too much. That's too much, especially now that Kimba has missed 20, 25 games already. So it's not like he's going to, he's in, I'm sure he's in great shape, but he's not in NBA shape. He hasn't played. So to me, it, this just seems like they're trying to figure out what you and I have been saying now. It seems like, I, I know I've been saying it for years. Yep. He, he's got to make a commitment. He's got to commit to something. Because what would he's, you, he what would you like to see him commit to? What do you think would be optimal for him? I think what Luca, I think what Luca is, is I would like to, and, and I and I and I'm saying this, I'm saying this with the idea of no positions, right? There's really not a position now in the NBA, right? When I say positions, you know, there used to be primary ball handler, point guard, shooting guard. I would like to see Luca at the three. Mm-hmm. Yep. I would like to see him at the three because defensively he's not on he can't be on my front line because you have to play and at some point you have to extend you have to extend your pressure but what he can do is he could be a terrific rebounder and push it out and do those things I but I would like to see him more off the ball catching the ball below the free throw line so that we are we can take advantage of one of the principles of a sound offense which is penetration because Luca doesn't play at a pace. He's mm. just like a he's a very unique player in the sense that he doesn't play and push the pace of the game. It's like there's Luca's pace. Now, on one hand, you can't speed him up. So speed and quickness doesn't bother him. So what does that mean? That means if he catches the ball, he should be comfortable enough to play through contact and do those things provided he can catch the ball below the free throw line with the live dribble. However, if you're going to play on the perimeter, and especially in today's game, you got to play the game at a certain pace. We, we keep talking about this with Philly. 
like Philly is winning now without three, maybe, you know, Tyrese Maxey hasn't made an all-star team, but they have two guys who are in the MVP conversation probably for the last five years. Right. Yeah. And they're winning because they're playing at a different pace in the regular season. You got to play at this pace. Luca is Luca. I mean, he, he, when it catches Luca's hands, it's probably going to stop for a second. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He plays at his own pace. He, he plays, he plays his at game. his own pace. Therefore, you got to have a lead guard or someone who can play downhill. You got to have a two guard who can play at, at a minimum off a of screen roll. Right. And then you have Luca. So now you have three guys to distribute the basketball, initiate your offense. Now you could play. And then and Luca being our best player, we will play through him once the ball goes from one side to another. That to me gives them the proper balance playing with Luca. And Luca should be able to play, maybe not with speed and quickness on the perimeter as a three-man, but he should without question size and strength. Do you want to hear is a very strong kid? Do you want to hear what Mark Cuban said about the addition of Kemba Walker? He said, Go right ahead. We, wanted to, we wanted to add some flexibility to our offense. Like last year at this point, we have great shot quality, particularly from the three, but we struggled to make enough of them. Kemba will give Jacob more offensive flexibility. So it's like what I said to you the other day, the Mavericks win games when their role players are knocking down threes. They lose games when their role players okay. are knocking down threes because defenses could focus more on yeah. who can limit his scoring. So... It seems like they just want to use Kemba Walker as a spot shooter, which I, hey, I don't I, Again, <laughs> again, I will say this again. What I've come to understand as a principle in this league, you can't have consistency when you have, it's very hard to do it with one guy who may be a liability on the, on the defensive end. Okay. You got one guy you can, kind of juggle them around because everyone doesn't have five guys who can just score. It's almost, it's impossible. I'm just going to say not even almost, it's impossible to win when you have two guys on the floor who are liability, who mm -hmm. are a lot, who, who have become or who are liabilities on the defensive end. So if you're just telling me this is a three point shooting contest, which is fine. I get it. I get what the, the the numbers say, and I get it. I'm not discounting that they need to make more threes or be more consistent. However, in the larger picture of the game, it's going to be very difficult to win when you have two or more guys on the floor who can't defend their position. That is very tough. However, I guess if you make enough threes, that was the whole thing when watching the Houston Rockets. The mm -hmm. Houston Rockets tried to prove that for years. I'm not here to discount or discredit the, the analytics and what the, what the numbers say. If you're going to win and win the big game, you're going to have to defend at some point because it's very hard to win just on, on the offensive end. Do you think that there's a thought creeping into the mind of the Dallas front office that maybe we should just go and try and tank for Wemby because you know they're below 500 it's not like this Kemba Walker move as much as I love and respect Kemba Walker I wouldn't say it makes them better 
it maybe makes the defense a lot worse. Well, I I don't think you can do that with. I I just I'm not going to allow myself to think that you can't have a top five player. You can't have a player who is an MVP caliber player. Okay, Luca, in all of this that we're saying, and the reason that I'm saying it is because Luca is an elite elite player. Luca is very in in the MVP conversation. Yes. Okay, and the way and the way he plays, you're just saying not if he's going to do it one day. When is he going to do it? When is he going to just put it all together? Right? He is. He's that gifted. However, you can see right now that when you have a player who's that gifted, also it requires, you know, it, it requires a very unique because he's a unique type of player. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to talk about you know, playing with a player like that. It's not easy to play with a player like that because those type of players, you know, offensively in particular with, with Luca, it requires a, a very, it's kind of sophisticated in many regards. It gets complicated. This, this is what I wanted to ask you. What he, what he does. Because I feel like at any level, you know, even, even I've been guilty of this myself. When you go play a pickup game and you look at your teammates and they're not very good and you want to win the game, you're going to kind of, basically jacket on every possession, right? If you're teammates, that's not a good way to play because they're basically just doing cardio, running up and down the floor, trying to rebound the ball. I want to know the perspective of a teammate playing alongside a high usage player, a guy that's going to go out there and get you 30 points a night. What's the mentality that you need to have as a teammate to ensure a successful team? Well, every every situation is different. I, I wish you could just put everybody in a boat and say, this is what it's like. You know, Mo, when, when, when I first came in the league, I, I got caught up in who who gets play calls and who gets all those things. As I learned in this league, and in particular now, you know, they, they, I simplified the game in my mind, right? There's a difference between usage rate and winning basketball. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. Usage rate means nothing to me then. It means nothing to me now. Okay. The reason it doesn't mean anything to me now is because usage rate means to me, I'm not getting any stops <laughs> on the other end. It, what do you mean by that? Okay. That means if, if I stop you, Mo. Yeah. Here's the usage rate. If I stop you, now I can get out and run and 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 play advantage basketball. Yeah, but winning the usage, teams. Oh, the usage rate is calculated ahead. by how many possessions end with, for example, BJ Armstrong making a pass or scoring a basket or turning the ball over. So even whether it's transition or whether it's half court, it's still calculated the same way. Okay, if my best player is always stealing the basketball. I want him to have the highest usage rate in the league. If my best player is always blocking shots and he's able, like Wimby, Wimby is going to be able to steal the ball, block shots, <laughs> contest shots. He should have the highest usage rate. Why? Because he's always involved in the play. Yeah. Okay. But that can't be the case if, I have five players out on the floor who, who are all capable of defending their position. Mm -hmm. So it will, it will even itself out. However, in the playoffs, 
that coach who's coaching that team, when that team does have, you know, an, an, an offensive possession in the half court or after a score or after a timeout or whatever the case may be, your job is to get the best player the ball in an operating area mm-hmm. that will allow him to make a decision, either score, pass, okay, or get to the free throw line. Now, so the efficiency in which you have to play, you always, every coach, right, whatever league, you want to get the ball to your best player. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's, why else are you running a play? <laughs> I'm yeah. not running a play for well, the guy. Dallas don't run any play. It's, it's give the ball to Luca, and you guys stand on the other side of the court. Well, that's what it may look like. It's just, it's, again, it's going to have to be a balance. You know, I, I, I've just termed it or, you know, what I've learned is called a blended brand of basketball. You got to figure out who's who and what's what. Right now, Luca is figuring that out. I've seen this movie too many times now. If I am defending on the other end, okay, I would assume that guys like Jordan and Pippen and those guys who are on the defensive end, those guys have a high usage rate, right? Because they're very disruptive players on the defensive end. Because mm-hmm. they were always still in the basketball, in the passing lane, rebounding the ball, dribble it out, go from coast to coast. Then they could play from the post some. They could play and screen roll some. So, of course, because they're always around the ball. However, when you have players like, like a Dirk Nowitzki, I'm just caught off the top of my head here. Yeah. Like, I, what, what's his usage rate, like, on the defensive end? Because – Half of the game is played on the defensive end. So he, he wasn't like a guy who I would expect to get in the passing lane. He wasn't like a disruptive player on that end. Mm-hmm. But a Dennis Rodman, for instance, or, you know, a Ben Wallace, I would think would be a high usage rate player no, because no. they were always involved in, they were always involved in, in the, in the game. But the, but the, the usage doesn't, the way they factor in doesn't account for defense. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't. That's why you have to take these numbers mm-hmm. for what they are. The game, half of the game is played on the other side. Mm-hmm. You're, if you just give me half of the game, that's not the whole game. Uh-huh. If if I'm going to watch a basketball game, Mo, are they going to put a curtain so only we see the <laughs> offensive end and we don't see? This is what I'm saying. Well, I, I don't have a problem with analytics. Just take in the entire game so that we can try to win the game. Just don't give me half of the game and tell me what a guy p- does just on the offensive end. Like, mm-hmm. like, like Mo, like I'm watching the whole game. Oh, if you just want me to watch the offensive end, let's just talk about offense and call it, you know, half of the Hoop, Hoop Genius podcast. It's only <laughs> half. We only talk about offense here. Well, let's talk about that defense because last season okay. after, after the All-Star break, we were applauding Jason Kidd for the way that he got the Mavericks playing defense. And you saw right. that everyone was locked in and they managed to get to the conference finals. But we've right. not seen that at all this season. And it's the roster well, is mainly the same. Well, it, again, you have to... There's no secret. Well, the, the, the secret is we keep trying to figure out how to win without defending. Well, the Houston Rockets showed us that you can't just outscore people. It only works up to a certain well, point. You would think, you would think, <laughs> but we keep trying to win by just shooting threes. 
and PER and usage rate <laughs> and all these things. Like, okay, I don't have a problem with any of this. When it gets down to it, can you defend without fouling? Check. Can you rebound the ball <laughs> once you play that great defensive possession? Check. And then you want to be able to run an offense where you can get as many uncontested shots as you can. Meaning the best chance is if you get a stop, now I can play advantage basketball. If you have a four and three mode, you should get an uncontested shot. Why? You got four offensive players. They only got three defensive. Mm -hmm. You got three offensive players, four offensive players, and only three defensive players. Can you play three against two? Can you play two against one? Can you play five against four? That's the best way to do it. The second way to do it is you have a player that can get that can demand a double team mode so that <laughs> you mm -hmm. can find the ball to the open shooter. Mo, that's how the game will never change. All of mm -hmm. this other stuff to me is just nonsense. Like, okay, if we want to talk about it and this guy is smarter than this guy, this guy is smarter than that. Guy, okay, great. That's why the game, for the most part, when it comes down to it, you'll play the game from the operating areas on the floor. Somehow, some way, that ball is going to get to the post, even in today's game, if you're going to win a championship. You got to be able to play from the post to some degree. I know we talk about three-point shooting, but in the, some at, at some point, Jason Tatum or even the Golden State Warriors, they're going to pass it to the post and play from that area. Because mm -hmm. that's just the way the game is. Now, they're going to make threes, but it's going to touch the post first. Mm -hmm. you, that's what that it's going to do that in the regular season. What we found is most time, not more times than not, if you can play at a pace in the regular season mode mm -hmm. and shoot 35% or higher from three, and you get enough possessions mode, meaning you could play enough possessions where. Mo has 85 possessions and BJ only has 50 possessions, right? Because if I only have 50 possessions, Mo, that means I got to shoot an incredible percentage because you got 30 more possessions than me. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with Philly. That's the problem right now with Dallas. They can't get enough possessions against the Warriors because the Warriors are getting 20 more possessions in the way that they play. Mm -hmm. That's hard to overcome. It's just... So if you could shoot a high enough percentage and maintain the pace during the regular season, because in the postseason, guess what's going to happen, Mo? There's going to be a greater value on the possessions. Yep. Except the Boston Celtics, because they're going to keep turning it over. Well, I just had to. I had to throw that, <laughs> well, <laughs> that was actually, last year. But that, that, that was last year. Things have changed. Things have changed. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, but, but you just gave me PTSD Celtics, for a second there, BJ. <laughs> yeah. But the Celtics, the Celtics, have the, they just have to make one correction mode. They just have to value the basketball. They play fast enough. They have a, they have a couple of players who can play from the post area and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And they do a good job on the defensive end because they have a shot blocker and they get out and they do. So that's a blended brand of basketball. Right now, the Golden State Warriors, you're seeing them. That I think they held the, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves last night under 100 points yeah. or something like that. Or the other night, or the, I can't remember. Yeah, it, it was for the majority of the game. And then it was just like, yeah. They, so they you're seeing them Sunday. now get back to their core, which is let's defend 
And then we can get out and run and play warrior. That's the warrior staple of who they are. When they went on that eight game losing streak or something recently, or they didn't win a game, it was because of one thing. They, they weren't able to defend. So mm -hmm. the game is very simple. We can complicate this by focusing in on the other things. However, Mo, when you watch the entire game, you have to start on the defensive end because half of the game is there. Mm -hmm. The game is won there. You can go on runs and extend the game on the offensive end, but the core of who you are must start on the defensive end. I know it's not the greatest thing to talk about because we it's fun to talk about stats and crossover. Like, yeah, I was watching John Morant yesterday. That was so fun to watch him yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, guys doing 360 layups and dunking and reversing and, and all those things. However, the game was tied at the end, and it was the first team to get a stop. And the first team that got a stop last night was it's the Memphis Grizzlies. Was the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, that's that's the NBA game. Man, it is so simple when you say it like that. Unfortunately, it doesn't it, prove to be so simple for um for well, for the Dallas well, Mavericks. That's what we do. Well, that's what we listen. At some point, at some point, Luca is going to get it. It starts with him. At some point, we're going to get it. He's going to get it. It's not going to be if he's going to get it. There's no other way around it, Mo. Mm -hmm. Mo, we've seen amazing offensive players in this league, <laughs> okay? We've seen, believe it or not, Mo, there's been players who've, who've scored a lot of points. There's been George Gervins. There's been a lot of players like this. Yep. There's been a lot of players, okay? However, if you're going to win, Larry Bird, if you're going to win, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, these guys scored a lot of points. Julius Irvin, if you're going to win, you got to do something. What you got to do? Mo, Play defense. think about this. Ben Wallace, okay? Mm -hmm. This guy won a couple championships. Dennis Rodman. So we know, Mo, that scoring doesn't equate to winning. This isn't anything new. This isn't like a revelation like, ah. Mo, we know that we need to get stops. At some point, their best player is going to say, you know what? I didn't score 30 points five years in a row. I didn't mm -hmm. won a couple MVPs. <laughs> I didn't got the scoring champ now. I don't I, I'm considered one of the greatest. Well, it's one thing that's missing from my from from my mantle. I gotta win. So how how did those great players, Magic and Michael and Bird and and Olajuwon and Kobe Bryant, what were they doing that I'm not doing? Mm. They all scored 30, 40, 50 points. They all mm -hmm. did it too. <laughs> and at some point he's gonna say, Man, I gotta defend, man. What, what did LeBron do that at some point he's going to say that? Yeah. Because he's that accomplished of a player. He's that good. You could tell the way he plays on the offensive end. Clearly he understands defense because he knows how to beat every defensive scheme there is. <laughs> <laughs> now at some point he's going, it's only one thing left to do. He's mm -hmm. got to give the energy and effort necessary on that end. 
in order for his talent to really carry an organization in the way we all think he can. And he'll figure it out. I mean, I have no doubt he will figure it out. He knows. It's just a matter of when he's going to decide to do it. Well, only time is going to tell. And I hope that this is the last oh. time we have to have this conversation. I think this is like the fifth episode we've had the same conversation I, well, well, about well, Lucas and his defense. Well, well I've been saying, Mo, you, well, you, you know, and 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 our, and our listeners who've been following us, Mo, I've been saying this for years now. Like, just tell me what you want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, just tell me what you want to do. Who, who, who do you think you can guard? Let's go through all. Let's go through all the other. Let's go through twenty nine of the other twenty nine teams in the league. What position do you feel most comfortable guarding? Because mm-hmm. we're going to switch anyway, right? Yep. Let's just, we're going to switch. But what's who's the best matchup for you every single night? Is it the ones? I would argue probably not because definitely not. He hasn't got the foot speed. He doesn't. There's have no to, point of attack defense. That will lead to penetration on yeah. every possession. Okay, so then that puts you at the two, right? Do you really want him guarding? Jalen Brown and 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 these because those is, guys is he going to be normally... running around screens following Clay Thompson and Desmond Bain? No, he's not. But but you know what? A position I like him at, I like him at the three. Why? Because okay, he maybe he's not as tall, tall as KD, but you know what? He's stronger than KD. He's stronger than Brandon Ingram. He's stronger than these guys, and he's skilled enough to where size doesn't bother him. Their athleticism, Kawhi Leonard and them, that doesn't bother him. And now you have a rebounder and you never have to worry about outletting the basketball. See, that, that to me is the key to all of this. Luka, as a, as a three-man, should average 10 rebounds a game. And now I don't have to outlet the basketball. Mm-hmm. Now you got a guy who's getting 10 rebounds a game and pushing the ball out. So now I can just do drags. How many threes are used to playing against drags? You know what a drag is, Mo? Is where a, a drag the big is coming is a, down. Yeah, it's a drag screen, screen in transition. And, yeah. So for you Mo, guys at home who don't know, it's, it's when you're bringing the ball up the court and the big man, instead of running to the paint, he just runs up the court and immediately sets the screen at the top. Mo, so now you're, you're, you got your shooters, your point guard in the corners and your two in the corner, and then you're just playing – your best player with an open court with, with 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 shooters in the corner and you're big lagging and you're just playing and now that to me just i, I want to do that the whole game mm-hmm. <laughs> that to me is the whole game that's the <laughs> whole game and then i can put luca on the weak side of the floor and put him in isolation or put him in the post mhm and give him two or three seconds before the defense can double team him. Why? Because there's no one in the league that can defend the kid. So yep. why always put him on the strong side? When to me, his greatest asset and value to the team, if you have a great player, is to allow that great player, wink, wink, Kobe Bryant, wink, wink, Larry Bird, wink, wink, Michael Jordan, wink, wink, Julius Irvin, put them on the weak side and give them a three-second window to look at the defense, survey it before they make a move. Make the game easy for them. Make the game easy for us, right? Mm-hmm. We got the strong side going. Nothing's going. We throw it to the weak side. We got three seconds to figure out. Luca has the ball for three seconds with a live dribble one-on-one. I'll take my chances. And if I lose and Luca can't score 50% of the time on that, then maybe he's not the player they said he is. Mm-hmm. I think he is. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not worried about you guarding Luka Doncic on the weak side with a three second, a three second, um, uh, three seconds for him to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. Yep. I mean, but that's how, that's how I see it. And Luca, Luca will figure this out. He will figure it out. Right now, when you're young, you want the ball in your hand and you want to dictate everything. Mm-hmm. The greatest thing ever is when you see a great player learns how to manage the game to win the game. Mm-hmm. You, you, you. That's the greatest thing. When you when you saw Akeem Olajuwon, when you saw. Kobe Bryant and Shaq and LeBron, and now you're seeing Steph Curry. When you see these guys know how to manipulate the game because they figured out the best work you can do as a great player is on the weak side, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Luka will figure that Luka in the next two years is going to figure this one out. I hope so. They all figure it out. Oh, they don't uh, about it. I, he's, he's too good. I mean, he'll, we've seen great offensive it. talents not figure out the Carmelo Anthony's of the world yeah. not figuring out on the defensive side of the basketball. But, 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 but Carmelo, Carmelo was an interesting player because Carmelo never handled the ball like Luca and these guys. Look, how about James Harden then? J- James, James Harden. You got to remember the game changed as James, when from James Harden when he first came in the league, and then when he got into the core yeah, of his Houston and the three point era. When he went to Houston, the game changed. Yeah. If you remember, think about this: you had a guy coming off your bench, playing behind Cephalo. Is it Cephalosha? I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Yeah, Cephalosha for okay. Cephalosha. So you had a guy who averaged 35 points a night coming off your bench. Yep. You mean to tell me no one knew he could score over 30? I mean, he wasn't averaging 35 (laughs) off the bench, but everyone knew he could score. Everybody knew he could score, but the game was different, okay? Twos used to have to catch and shoot. One dribble pull up, come off screens, curl, pop, fade. It was a different footwork. Mm -hmm. You didn't see a two-man or a guard just play with the ball in his hand and open. You didn't see that. Now, yeah. the first time that I actually saw someone playing that mimicked that, his name was Steve Nash. Steve Nash was the first guard that I saw. Just He had the ball every single time. He would have a side screen roll. He'd have a high screen roll. And they were He'd trying to a, play, a, play a super high tempo. They were calling the offense seven seconds or less. And that was Mike D'Antoni, yeah. who also coached James Harden in Houston. This is what I'm saying. This is the first time I saw it. Now, I've seen teams play fast, right? I saw Showtime. I saw uh, Westhead, Coach Westhead. He played. They, they got up a shot in seven seconds or less. But I never saw where one guy just dictated everything. Mm-hmm. Even Magic would throw the ball up, dive to the post, play from the weak side, throw it into Kareem. They cut. That was showtime. I never saw a guy that would just dribble the ball like this until I saw Steve Nash. That was like, hmm, that's an interesting, that's an interesting offense. Yeah. Okay. That was the first time I saw it. The second time I, well, I actually take it back. The Detroit Pistons prior to when I got there, Doug Collins put Jordan at the top of the key. 
and and forced the Detroit Pistons to shrink their defense. And then Jordan was his job was to figure out where he could beat the team on the weak side. Yeah. Okay. That was like in the late 80s when the Pistons were without question, they were the premier defensive team, maybe the greatest defensive team of all time. Okay. So Jordan, he had like a run of like, I don't know. I can't remember. It's like eight or 10 games in a row where he had just like a triple double. They just put him at the top and then he would figure out where he could go on the floor to beat the team. Mm -hmm. Mike D'Antoni just said, screw trying to figure it out. We'll just keep screening for you and isolate. (laughs) Imagine if it was Mike D'Antoni who walked through that door instead of Phil Jackson, how different history would be. Listen, here's a, here's a deep, dark secret about great, great players. The great player is great, but then the great player also has to figure out, I can't be who I think I am without the other players on the floor. Mm -hmm. As great as Jordan was, you can't win without Scottie Pippen and all the other guys. No one's that good. So that's why I'm saying Luca is going to figure it out. He doesn't have a choice. He'll, he'll figure out what everybody else has figured out in the last 75 years. Oh yeah. We gotta, we gotta play together. I got I, Larry Bird said, Hey, I need Kevin McHale. I need Robert Parrish. I need the late Dennis Johnson. You, you, everyone figures it out. He'll figure it out. I have no doubt about it. But if, when you, when you, when Mike D'Antoni did that with Steve Nash, it was fascinating to watch because you saw a guy just dribbling around. He dribbled everywhere. He made every pass. He made every, and that's kind of what you're seeing right now with Luca. Mm-hmm. The difference is Steve Nash played at a different pace. He played at a different pace. Well, the Mavericks got to speed up their pace and they've got to add some more variety into their offense because at the moment they can't keep playing like this. Otherwise they may just end up in the tanking race. Uh, and also it's unfair on Luca to have him playing. Well, I don't know whether it's his decision or the coach's decision, but have him playing with such a high usage rate from this point in the season, his body is not going to be able to sustain that through 82 games and a playoff and, run and if here, they can even make it. That. Here, here's a, here's a, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing with, with all great players. You can't be a great player unless you can play with another great player. Whoever gets Victor better. They're going to be the second best player on their team. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you're going to be a great player in this league and you are who you said you are, and this is, this is, I've always had the utmost respect for Steph Curry, but I had the utmost respect for Steph Curry when they, when they acquired Kevin Durant, Mm -hmm. because I saw a great player figure out how to play with another great player. Yeah. I saw an MVP player figure out how to play with another MVP player. Okay, whoever gets Victor, the way that the Dallas Mavericks are playing right now is unacceptable. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to tell me Victor is only going to average 15, 16 points a game. No so, chance. Victor is going to be the best player on his team, and the team is going to take on the personality of Victor. So, whoever gets him, whether it's the Dallas Mavericks or whomever, because we're, you know, we're just talking about them. 
they better figure this out now because he is that good. He's mm-hmm. he he is that good because he doesn't need the ball to be the best player in the NBA. He could be the best player and not even command the ball. He's scoring 30 points a night, Mo, right now. And he don't even know what he's doing. Yep. So, like all great players, they figure it out. That's why they're great. You know, if if, if I could score more like that, I probably would do the same thing. It'd probably take me six or seven years before I say, oh, man, I got to pass the ball no more. I know what I'm but <laughs> it probably, I probably would do the same thing. Ain't no problem. I would do the same thing. Why? Because, bro, it's fun to score. It's fun to, I mean, sometimes Luca, what he does to the defense, he just makes them look like they're not even professionals. The way he's out there moving around. Yeah, he's bullying them. He's bullying them. I mean, we could talk about Luka Doncic all day, but we're going to have to wrap things up here. Hopefully the Mavericks can figure it out because I don't want to have this conversation again. And there's a lot of other stuff around the NBA that we're going to be getting onto. So make sure you guys don't go anywhere. Subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating, all that good stuff because we'll be back tomorrow talking more NBA basketball. And in the meantime, get buckets.